The Cloudcast is sponsored by Intel Cloud for All, driving the creation of tens of thousands of clouds. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from Raleigh, North Carolina, here in the massive studios. Uh, today, uh, well, just me, but but not really just me. Um, uh, we're gonna we're doing a show um, partially because every one of you guys always wants to do a show on the weekend, so you have something to listen to while you're uh, while you're mowing the grass or doing whatever chores you have. But um, Aaron and I felt bad because we we screwed up the last show. It got it did this really weird audio thing, and so we said, "All right, we have to get another show out the door." Now, here's the challenge: uh, Aaron's not available, so I went and got uh, the next best option, and uh, actually, probably a better option. Sorry, Aaron, you're a better option than me too. So, uh, Amy Lewis, welcome back to the show. It's been a very long time since you've been on the show. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome back to the show. Um, uh, I'm trying to think when the last time was you were on because you know, as a as another good uh, you know North Carolina person, we like to. Have have as many on as possible. And you've been busy and off doing lots of other things. You're like the uh, queen of your own podcast. And then you're sort of the the on everybody else's podcast. You're like the Goldie Hawn of, of podcasts or something like that. Whoever the whoever the whoever comes on late night all the time, that, that's you. <laughs> or the or the Yoko Ono of podcasts. You oh, know. Uh-oh. uh-oh. What are you what are you what are you destroying? Or, or enhancing, however you want to look at it. <laughs> yeah, eyes on you, Greg Nearman. Um, I so yeah, it's a, the running joke of uh, I think it's because I'm available on Monday nights. Basically, I end up on Speaking in Tech as their uh, their you know random third person if if nobody else says yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, been running around the country a bit. Going to spend a lot of time in Vegas this year after avoiding it completely in 2015. So just a little point of pride there. No Vegas in 2015. Yeah, that's the that's the unfortunate part of uh, of Moscone Center being closed down for the year is, is things are moving to Vegas, which uh, <laughs> just the week that never ends. It's just it's just Groundhog's Day every time. Doesn't matter what the event is, it's all it's all exactly the same. Whether it's Interop, EMC World, VM World, whatever world, whatever, it's just exactly the same. So yeah, I think I'm in Vegas maybe like half dozen times this year, which is not fun. Anyways, um, so what I thought we would do, um, we're just going to, we're going to kind of record this, but you and I do this all the time is we just sort of riff on stuff that's, uh, you, you know, obviously between speaking in tech and geek whispers have a, you get a pretty interesting perspective on stuff. We get a little different interest, you know, kind of different perspective on stuff on our show. Cause we do a lot of the startups and stuff. And I thought we could riff on a bunch of topics that are sort of, you know, floating around in my brain. And I know you and I have talked about them a little bit. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to start off with this and we may end up doing a whole bunch of topics and we may end up doing one topic depending on, on where this one goes. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Brian, usually, uh, we like to do this with chicken and waffles in front of us. So I hope that's going to be part of the show notes or at least a picture on the blog. Yeah. No. So yeah, usually this, this ends up being something we do over lunch. That'll be like a 20 minute planned thing. And it goes on to be two hours or something. So, um, we're going to, we're going to keep this on the normal, like 30 minute schedule though. So, so, so here's my, here's my, my rant or riff or whatever. And I want to get your take on it. Um, so I, I sort of have this thesis that, uh, right now, or at least like over the last year or so, but right now we're sort of at the peak of this. Um, the IT industry is, is probably in a more chaotic state that it's ever been. And, and I say that from the perspective of, you know, having, having been in it for 20 something odd years now, um, you know, and lots of stuff has changed, but uh, it feels, 
uh, like it's really, really chaotic. Like there really are, you know, kind of no rules anymore. The rules are all getting, getting rewritten and reshuffled around and off the top of your head, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I certainly don't have the history with tech that you do. Not, not, uh, saying you're a dinosaur or anything. Just yeah. kidding. Um, <laughs> Um, I just haven't been in the industry as long, but in terms of the marketplace in general, and just thinking about the the place of technology and the worldwide economy, et cetera. So um, I, I do actually think that's true. And this is going to sound strange, but as, as we've talked through it, I almost think that we're more chaotic than we've ever been because we haven't had a major market correction lately. Yeah. Um, which may sound funny, but it's almost like to take something, a page out of nature. Uh, of course, we all dread here on the eastern coast, we all dread hurricane season. Right. But if you don't have a couple of corrective hurricanes, then you get a lot of beach debris. Um, and you kind of have mild chaos at all times. Like you have shark infestations and jellyfish landing and all these crazy stories. And it, it sounds like a, a, it's a strange thing to say, but in some ways you almost need one big sharp correction sometimes to get everything back. And I think because we haven't had that, do you feel that way? It's like we keep threatening, this is going to change. This is the year of the cloud of VDI of this, of that, the other. And we have lots of small market corrections and, and, and shifts in the industry, but we haven't had my reference point. We, we haven't had that dot bomb moment where everything really is upended. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's a good point. I think, um, you know, we had one in whatever, 2001-ish, 2001, 2002. We had another one around eight or nine, probably 2009. So you had about a seven or eight year thing. I think that's partially what's got people a little bit worried. Um, you know, forget about all the, you know, massively valued unicorns, whether they're massively valued or overvalued or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's a little feeling of like, it's been seven or eight years. Um, you know, are we, are we due for another one of these things that sort of corrects stuff? Um, yeah, it's a little bit doomsday-ish maybe, but I mean, some of the signs and signals are there and in some ways it's one of the most exciting things about our industry is that you don't know what's going to change things in ways you can't even, uh, you can't even imagine. Right. So uh, it could be, it could, you know, we think about the various things that have, have, transformed the inner, uh, the industry. And I think we can fairly say that I, I do think it's the march of, of the drumbeat of software. So the relative importance of hardware and infrastructure, I, I think is changing. I'm not going to be one of those death knell people that say, you know, yeah, it, it's got to run on whatever something. it is, is dead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But I think the, the, the bias towards software or hardware is slowly shifting. And I think, Markets have tried to drive that and saying, oh, this is what customers want. But we know there's some market-driven stuff, some market-led stuff. I think we really are finally starting to see some of that transition. Some of the conversations we're hearing up and down the stack, that really has changed in terms of, I think back to a few years ago, my time at Cisco, when uh, you know the shot heard around the world was, if, you're, if you don't know something about programming, you're not going to have a job in two years. And I, I think that has sh- shifted from this sort of threatening tactic to an acceptance that people want that to be part of their job. People are ready to offload some of the um, redundant tasks and move on to some other ways of thinking, being, et cetera. 
And and again, it doesn't dismiss the role of hardware in all of this because software has to run on something. Right. Um, and I think people seem to forget there is a relationship there. That, but I do think the importance has shifted, and I think the fear factor has changed, um, meaning that people are a bit less resistant to this concept. Right. Right. Yeah. I th- I think what always gets me is is I, I feel like we're we're sort of at the end of this this 20 year cycle. So, um, you know, I, I think about like a one and Oh two, you know, you had this really long period of time. You had four or five years where it felt like there was very little competition in the industry. Like the people who kind of made it out of it with a lot of money, didn't have a whole lot of competition. Like I'll, I'll put Cisco in perspective cause I was there. You were joining a little later than that, but I mean, like they literally kind of turned on themselves because there was nobody else in the industry to compete against. Um, but they didn't, they didn't change themselves at all. Like they were still, they came out of that last one as, as a very hardware centric company. Um, I, I think about my career and I, I put it, I put it kind of in this perspective, <clears throat> you know, almost everybody I know, or at least knew up until the last few years of doing the podcast, you know, the, their world was basically looked like this. There was, there was vendors who built things. There was, you know, VARs and, and SIs who kind of delivered it. Uh, you could be at a customer and then, you know, what you bought sort of fit in a swim lane. So you bought databases yeah. from a certain company, you bought networking from a certain company, you bought software from a certain company. And and I feel like those things are kind of gone at this point. Um, I mean, there's still vendors, obviously, but, you know, there's there's open source and there's clouds, right? So so there's, there's alternatives to vendors. Um, you, you know, people talk about uh, like things like shadow IT and so forth. And, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, like it's easier to get access to technology now. So you could be a developer, you could be a project manager, you could be whatever. Um, and, and I feel like those rules that we all sort of lived by and, and that ecosystem, part of it's still there, but part of it's really, really blurry and, and what the new thing will end up looking like feels like it's it's really undefined at this point and that that's the thing that i get from people all the time you know asking about careers and jobs and what to study next is it's it's hard to give them any advice when you're not sure what the landscape's going to look like right it's sort of run over that you know it's like being a it's like being a like a military commander or something and going hey, run over that hill um and and just start shooting i'm, I'm not sure what you're going to see over the top of that hill but just start shooting because there's a chance that it could be the bad guy but you know keep your eyes out but it could it could be you know it could be a villager as well but but i just need you to kind of run over that hill and and just trust me on this one and I, it feels a little bit like people are like yeah, i don't i don't know about that man but but i don't know any better to not run over the hill I, I think that's true. I mean, as I think culturally, we all just want to move forward. And it's funny, I'm thinking about your, your this concept of these nice, safe swim lanes. And as much as we wanted to, I think, not be, I think about my parents' generation. And th- I, for them, I don't have, I haven't had that many different jobs in my life compared to a lot of people. But uh, to them, it's just insanity, right? Because they come, they came from an era of you went to one company and you retired from that company and you got the pension from that company. Right. And so that transition, it may seem like ancient history to some of your listeners, but it doesn't feel like we've been in that shift that long, right? For our generation to be, we're looked at as regular job hoppers to, to that one generation back, much less this modern generation, which is much more in that rent the job versus own it forever kind of concept. It's about developing the skills. And and like you said, 
publicly transitioning between roles, trying to figure that out, creating new ones. Um, and so the swim lanes have gotten incredibly messy in that same way. What was once a very structured and organized system, and we all kind of agreed to it, um, is a little bit of chaos theory. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but it, it is, it's something we're all accustomed to now, that the next Stanford dropout could, could write the three lines of code that eliminates an entire job function. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is, is kind of mind blowing. And the speed at which that can happen, I think, is the other big difference. Right. Um, where that might have taken five, 10 years to get in production, like you said, with everybody having more access and everybody being um, at least a, a hobbyist technologist. You know, very few are, are in the trenches and can speak at the, the level at that enterprise and, and extreme, you know, run business, run true infrastructure level, but everyone's a little bit of a hobbyist and it changes the demand. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, I remember when I first started managing people, um, I had folks who would come up to me and go like, Hey, what's my, what's my career path. And, and I understand the, the ask, um, if you know, like, like you had said, your, your parents had worked for one company or one industry or, you know, been in one city their whole life or something. And that's what you had seen, right? It's the, the classic, like, you know, lots of, lots of kids whose parents are doctors or lawyers become doctors or lawyers because that's what they see in the household or they become a cop or they become, you know, whatever they, you know, and, and I made a comment on, on Twitter the other day, somebody was asking about career paths or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, and I think I said, like, there are no more career, at least in the technology world, like there are no more career paths. There's really just, you know, a couple of year projects, two or three year sort of projects or a focus area, um, or you can go off and go, go do your own thing. And it, and it kind of, I think it ruffled some feathers with people, but, but I think about, you know, the people that we work with are in, in our industry, um, and maybe we're biased because we're on the, we tend to be on the sell side of things as opposed to the buying side of things. But, um, I, yeah, I think, I think that sort of has become the new normal in that, you know, you can't be sure that they won't want to out, you know, outsource your job, offshore your job, you know, move your job somewhere else. Like it's, uh, it becomes sort of a natural defense mechanism that, that you should be sort of looking every couple of years. I think it's actually, I may hazard a guess it's even a little bit more chaotic on the buy side because when we interview people, and again, my geek whispers hat firmly on here, um, there is a lot of trepidation. I think the, I think you're right. I think that was actually me on Twitter about the, the job roles and, and evolution because we had a really kind of open discussion about is tech evangelism dead? Is that role dead? Um, what does this look like? I think some of the what the more coveted roles, the more interesting um, aspects, are are harder to get. They're they're not as long lasting. Um, it, it's it's evolving very quickly. And again, that is still the sell side of the market. On the buy side, though, I do think there's even slightly more vulnerability, or at least fear of vulnerability. Um, that concept of things being eliminated by a single script or being shipped overseas. Yep. Um, you know, sort of the two classic things we hear about, at least in the U.S., you know, this mysterious overseas is is kind of the world's a universal place more and more so. So I think and that language disappears more and more, but um, that at least the function will be regrouped and put with a, a cheaper set of resources or pooled or done kind of Henry Ford, um, you know, some sort of a assembly line file uh, yeah. style. Yeah. So 
And and maybe we all just kind of live with this anxiety, whereas we didn't think about it as much anymore. Uh, we didn't, or at least we didn't think about it as much. Yeah, I, and I think you 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 sort of highlighted it early on, right? This 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 software concept, right? Software becoming this kind of dominant force in our industry, or more so than it was before. Like, I, I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people. You know, we, we, we talk all the time about, well, you know, you, you need to become a programmer. You need to learn programming. You need to figure these things out. I, I used to deal with a lot of technology. I used to, I mean, I had a CCIE. I bounced around new technologies all the time. It, it felt like back in the day, if you were in some domain, um, you know, learning something new wasn't super, super hard. Like it was like, okay, well, this thing feels like the other thing. It, you know, it's just, it's got a different interface or whatever. I feel like the programming thing, if you don't have any programming background, I think the assumption that people can learn how to program is, is really a stretch. Um, like it, I don't know. It's it's like those first five or six steps are, are so difficult for people and there's no kind of easy way to get there. Um, I mean, there, and that's the crazy thing. There is a million easy ways to get there. There's a million things online, but finding somebody to sort of hold your hand to, to help you get there. If that's where you want to get to, I, I feel like that one of the biggest feedbacks I get from people is that's really, really hard. Um, and I think that's exactly, it's, um, liken it to any language you learn the, the level between being able to, to order a taco and, and fluency to have a conversation yeah. is, is vast. And, and so I think everybody can dabble and I would encourage, and we often do encourage, you know, one should get at least some, I don't expect full fluency for any of us. If that's like you said, not your path or your focus, or you really don't devote time to it, but some just basic literacy I think is, is really important. Um, because I think that is where the next step is. So if you can't even use the same terms, then I think that's going to be, that's going to be pretty job limiting. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to be able to order more than two beers and find the bathroom. If that's, uh, that's where your next job's going. All right. Um, so, so let's talk about something that's kind of uh, near and dear to our hearts. We talk about all the time. Let's talk a little bit about the location. Um, you, you know, you, you mentioned a second ago, Hey, I tease this global world. We live in this, this global space, but yet for whatever reason, uh, you know, location matters still in, in our industry, which is really kind of crazy because, um, we're, we're one of the industries that creates all this technology that sort of makes it so that you can be not having to be in the room, but yet our industry, I don't know, 10 years ago, teleworking was like a big deal. It was going to save the planet, lots of no driving and all these things. And it feels like we've kind of gone back to the, you know, Silicon Valley, San Francisco centric thing again. I don't want remote workers. I don't want, you know, I want to do things. Every event is in San Francisco. Every event's on California time zone. Do you, do you get that sense at all? Or is that just us being too sensitive to it? Cause we're not there. Well, I think that's a really interesting question. I think there's truth and and myth in in there, as with most most good arguments. Um, I I think that the jobs I think there are jobs for people who don't live in Silicon Valley, and I think there's great value to dispersing um, and hiring where the talent is. I say this as a manager of an almost 100 um, percent you know distributed team. So practically nobody I work with works in, in headquarters or very few. So it, it doesn't create imbalance in the team. 
um, which is important because I think if you have a team where 10 people sit in one place and one sits somewhere else, that's complicated. But when you're all distributed, then the playing field is the same for everybody. Right. Right. So I think that's one thing. Right. Um, and the second thing is it, let's separate again between selling side and buying side because industry happens all over the world and not just in the place where maybe people feel like technology emanates from. And, and that, that is an interesting perspective too, because I think if you do very customer centric things, if that's your, your focus and, and that is in my individual contributor self, I'm, I'm pretty focused on that, that end customer. Um, I think not being inside that bubble is actually a real asset and I think it's just depending on, it does always depend on the company. I have been a teleworker accidentally for almost my entire career. Um, because even when I was in publishing, I was remote from the New York office and working here from North Carolina. So it, it does, it has forced me to develop a set of skills that may speak to the job that I have now, because I have to know how to connect with people across communications channels that are perhaps a traditional, um, and I have to find a way to get water cooler information when we, it's a virtual water cooler. Yeah. So I, I think there is a, a truth and a not truth. I think it's an all, always, you have to push against it because gravity wants to pull everybody in one place. As much as, like you said, telework saves the world. People value getting together. What I think we have to change is the definition of what that looks like, how often that's necessary and how we manage teams optimally um, some work probably is best done in that nine to five, all in one space setting. But yep. I think there's a lot of other alternative types um, that work really well distributed. But I think if you're distributed, you have to think about how to make that how to make that work within the team. Make sure you don't have that one person, that odd person out, and right. have endless meetings at five o'clock, you know, Eastern. Whenever that seems totally fine, if you're sitting in in San Francisco, right, right, yeah. I, <clears throat> so, so I, I think there's a couple things there that'll be interesting to watch. So, um, you know, we, we talked about, hey, will there be some sort of correction that'll happen? Who knows? Um, you know, one, one correction I feel like sort of has to happen at, at some point is, you know, you, you have all these startups out out in out in the Bay Area, especially out in, in San Francisco, uh, the Bay. The, the Silicon Valley tends to be a little more hardware centric, but the, the software guys in San Francisco, you know, huge valuations, not necessarily making money, but what's happened is, you know, the, the housing prices in San Francisco are insane, not like partially insane, like ridiculously insane to the point where I feel like that little thing could burst and, and start to force some people. Like there was a meme the other week or so that was like, you know, people would sort of create some haiku and the end of every one of them was like, and you must relocate to San Francisco, (laughs) you know, roses are red, violets are blue. You must really look, relocate to San Francisco. And like, I can't see how, you know, how the industry sustains people living in $5,000 a month, one bedroom, you know, 700 square foot apartments. Like that just doesn't, you know, like there is so much talent outside of there and I can't see why anybody would necessarily want to move there. Uh, you know, other than the next enormous payday, which, you know, if things sort of get south, then the, you know, the payday bonanza, you know, potentially gets stretched out another four or five years or something. So that, that to me is going to be interesting. The other thing uh, I used to kick this around when I was in MBA school, cause we were talking about different projects and, and the, the analogy we would always use is like, you know, when movies get made, 
they bring together these these sets of people for a very short period of time, three or four weeks or something, you know, film crews and and stunt crews and all these sort of things, and then they go away. But they they've orchestrated it such that whenever they need to do a, a movie, um, they'll they kind of you know call out to these people who are all independent contractors for the most place, uh, bring them together, they work together, then they disband. And I'm, I'm waiting to see if companies ever start moving towards that model. If there becomes enough kind of independent, uh, skill sets, right. Um, that somebody can coordinate together for a product launch for this, for that, the other. Um, but if there's enough people doing it on these sort of shifted time schedules where they sort of overlap at times and and so forth, like, will we, will we eventually see that start to happen or does everything always end up having to be a, you know, one person, one job, one, you know, one type of function. Well, this may be my pioneer self talking. Um, but I, I feel like this works really well when it's allowed to come forth organically. Yep. And the minute you move it to settler and town planner mode, the minute you try to make it programmatic, you kill it. And and so I think that because I, I do think that people are more comfortable with swim lanes and org charts and things that are fixed. And when you cross those streams, Number one, like you said, when it works well, brilliant work happens because you are getting people who volunteer to to break the rules for a common end goal and and do it well and communicate with each other, coordinate. Um, so I think there's something I, I look forward to the day when that's more the norm and when people stop trying to put it in a bottle and repeat the process. Yeah, you know, with a I mean, how you how do you do a QBR on on the ultimate dotted line? kind of organizational thing. It just, it's in some ways it's like community, right? Community swells up around a particular problem, need, et cetera. And it does benefit from some program management and some regularity. But I think when you try to study it to death, then you kill the very spirit and the thing that it was meant to solve or do. Yeah. Yeah. It just becomes, becomes the faceless soulless consultants of the world coming in and, and trying to replicate your problem like they did some other place. Now that, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I, I you know, you, you see these sort of, uh, packs of people that float around and it's not just a Silicon Valley thing. It happens at every company, but you know, so-and-so leaves and then so-and-so follows them and follows, you know, and like, it's like, Oh yeah, I've worked with so-and-so at that place. And then we all work together at this place. And like, I wonder if those start becoming independent entities and somebody goes, I need somebody who's really good at this and they can bring the whole team in and they'll do it for a while. But, but you're probably right. If you don't, if you don't know the the kind of culture and soul of the company, that's a hard thing to do. If you're not, if you know, if you're going to do it for a while and then get in and out. Yeah. Um, well, well, one other, yes, no, marauding bands of, uh, of full-timers, short-time full-timers, right? Yeah. Um, kind of, I, I kind of like the concept, actually. <laughs> well, you know, if I think about it, if I, if I stretch it out a little bit, I mean, it's, it's essentially what, what Cisco got into doing there for a while, of, of continuing to have the same group of people spin out, do something cool, spin back in, do it, do it as long as they thought it was fun, spin back. And it, it, it creates some very interesting uh, morale situations that, that may, be, may be good or may not, may, may not be good. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, it, it really does kind of speak to that that pioneer settler, you yep. know, town planner. It, yep. it, it depending on what people's energy is, um, it can it can create a lot of tension between different work styles for sure. Right, right. So uh, one other one yes. other observation, I can't help. It's a little a little navel gazy, but on the concept of Silicon Valley versus outside, um, have you ever noticed that a good number of the tech podcasts that get mentioned on the various top ten podcasts to listen to list, et cetera? not n- very few of them are hosted or central uh centralized around silicon valley 
Yeah, no, that is a very good point. I, that, that was the weirdest. That was the weirdest moment I think that Aaron and I had was when the people from Silicon Valley would reach out to us and say, you know, uh, we know about you guys. Can we come on your show or we listen or I mean, like it was it was this really weird moment of, of sort of being like, how do I how do I phrase this? Like when I go to San Francisco, my meetup application explodes and goes like, hey, there's there's meetup here, here, here. Like there'll be a dozen every single day. And you go, man, if I lived out here. I would be so in the know of what's going on. Like I could go to an event anytime I want to and this and the other. And yeah, you're right. It is kind of weird that they tend to tune into these things. And, and maybe it's a, I don't know, maybe it's a, hey, I need to know what's going on outside the bubble thing. You know? Well, here's, here's my theory. Okay. Is that um, you, you nail, and actually the example is perfect. So if you've got, it's a, an embarrassment of riches. So I think when you're there and it's easy, the people don't necessarily have to stretch the muscles as much. And I know for myself, at least, podcasting and engaging is a way to to stay engaged that I might not have to do if it was just there in my backyard. Yeah. So it's almost like you have to do the extra credit assignment just to to get to keep on average with the rest of the class. Um, so just something I'm tossing out there. I, I've noticed before that a lot of evangelists or podcasters or community leaders pop up outside of the center center zones, and I think it's it's that that drive to, um, you know, work harder to make the cut in some ways. Yeah. I think, I think the rest of us all sort of have middle child syndrome like without being middle child. like you have to be much louder if you're not, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're not the, uh, you're not the oldest, you're not the youngest. It, it's yeah, you're right. It's, you have to be a little more scrappy or a little more willing to, to make some noise to get attention. Um, so let me, let me ask one last question cause we'll wrap it up from a timing perspective. Um, Let's see. Uh, any 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 recommendation? So so you you t- you guys get a chance to talk to a lot of people, kind of what they're doing with their career, what they're interested in. Um, I'll, I'll I'll leave it open ended. Either give me an example of somebody who you know you'd point to and you'd go, that person is doing a very very cool thing in terms of dealing with transitions and trying to you know stake a place out there, or just sort of any recommendation you've got on something that's that's helping you a whole lot, kind of wrap your brain around some of this chaos. Um, a whole lot of things. Actually, you introduced me to my new favorite podcast, which is the A16Z yeah. podcast. Yeah, like that one a lot. And it is, um, it is, they are, they're thought provoking. They, they cover a wide gamut of topics. They, um, but really talking about transformation. And one of my favorite ones was this simple concept about disruption. And they said, basically, when you've created enough of an audience base that you've got a competitor, um, you know you've succeeded, but you're also going to have to fight differently because you don't own, you've created a marketplace, basically, and you've created your own competition. Um, and it's, it's such an interesting listen, and you can see it pop up as a truth over and over again. I, I think that's, that's one of my favorite ways to kind of address and deal with the, po- with the, the chaos is acknowledging that it always exists and you have to look at it not as failure, but as success. That as we make things choppy, it is it is a little uh, anxiety inducing for sure when you don't know which hill to run over or what's going to be the next thing. But nobody, I think very few people choose technology so that they can sit still and stop. Yeah. It's not that sort of industry. And there are a million hobbies or other industries or other ways to to provide that need for extreme stability if one needs that as balance. 
But I think to participate in this industry is you have to find a way, which sounds very Zen-like, but I think you have to find a way to appreciate and embrace the chaos. And, and so the other thing that we learned for sure on the geek whispers, we, we sort of joke, like we, we could almost have one thing that every, every single guest comes up with is this curiosity is find a way to feed your curiosity. And, and if it's a matter of disciplining yourself to find that extra time in the day or my favorite one of, you know, stop doing something so you can start doing something else or whatever it is, but find the time uh, to listen to the podcast, to read that extra blog, to go to that meetup. Um, Whether you live in the Valley or not, like find that time to go do that thing. That's not directly in line with your job. And we hear that a lot too. Some of our, our favorite guests have said, you know, prepare yourself. You don't know when you're building for the skills for the next thing. So find the time and make that proper preparation and, and pursue it actively. So instead of running from the chaos, it is, it is run toward it a little bit. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's really good advice. I think, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give one plug. Uh, there's a, there's a new podcast I've been listening to just recently. It's called, uh, uh, exponent, uh, E X P O N E T. It's a little bit long form, so they tend to run a little more than an hour. Uh, but really a good, um, two guys talking about no guests. It's usually just two guys in one topic, uh, and talking about kind of one of these, you know, big transformational issues, you know, like, uh, you know, should you care about the Tesla stuff? What is, what are some of the things going on with Apple and Google mean? And, and, and they're not, uh, entirely super like highbrow They They kind of get into it. It's a very nice mix of like technology and business. So I'll recommend that one. I think to kind of talk, to hit on your point, and we probably should just do an entire show on this at some point of, of people's hobbies turned into, to something. Um, I'll give a plug for uh, a guy who's been on our show before named uh, Jason Edelman. Um, you know, Jason basically was, you know, working as a, an SE in the field for a, a VAR, kind of got interested in, you know, some of the automation technology and, and has turned that into his full-time job. You know, was doing it as a hobby, was playing around with it, you know, found some people in the community that would help him with some things. And uh, he's got some stuff coming up that we'll probably end up doing a show on. But, um, you know, he is, is a really good example of, you know, take something that you're interested in, um, see if you can turn it into something that you're passionate about. And, and sometimes you find that, you know, once you read that, reach that point where you're passionate about it, that, um, you know, it's a, it's a skill or, a you know, a good or a service that people are willing to pay you for. And in some cases that might become your new thing. So, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. You have to, you have to put in the hours for it. Um, it, you know, it can be hard at points in time cause it's learning something new or it's taking away from time with your family. But, uh, uh, it's, it's good to have that sort of plan B, um, somewhere, you know, somewhere in your, in your, in your plans for what you're doing. So, well, I always say you, you taught me that one. And even just today in a conversation, it came up where people always, you know, how do I become influential? People want that, the easy button, right? Right. And, and you told me that way back when it's, um, you gotta, you gotta put in the hours. There's no, there's no other thing but repetition. And I love Jason's story too, for that same, same thing. I think nine times out of 10, when we, 
when we kind of live inside this anxiety, this is on my mind because the geek whispers again, talk about this all the time. It's it's we're not giving ourselves permission to see that change is isn't bad and that we could do something else. And we have um, there's just so many stories. There's so many positive stories I think we could point to. We, we tend to focus on the negative, but maybe we should focus on the evolution, the successes. And I think there's something to be learned in those. Yep. Yep. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh all right. Very cool. With that, uh, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. It's been a long time. It's, it's fun to to sort of get some of these conversations out there. I, I suspect we'll uh, we'll strike up some some side conversations. But thank you for coming back on again. We need to do this again very soon. Um, where can everybody find all the good things you're doing out there on the inner tubes? Oh, well, I am on the Twitters all the time at Coms Ninja, um, and you can find our podcast, The Geek Whispers, we talked about uh, at geek underscore whispers, uh, or the website, obviously geek dash whispers.com. And, uh, assuming this comes out, the podcast comes out really quickly. We are going to be at the Silicon Valley V mug in person, all three of us, um, basically running the Lucy Van Pelt, uh, peanuts style, you know, come and talk to us about your career. Um, at the, at the VMUG. So it's the three of us haven't had the opportunity to do something like that. So we're going to sit down and talk to people in the community who are feel stuck or trapped in their job. And this is Tuesday, April 12th. Cool. So and, that's we're, a, and that costs a nickel? It, you know, I'm hoping to collect a lot of nickels. And, and I'm also going to be moderating a Tech Pioneers panel. So we'll be digging into some of these same questions. So I appreciate the, uh, the inspiration. I'm going to take some of these questions. Good. Will you will you be uh, pulling the football away from anybody who who comes and asks difficult questions? Well, I do have naturally curly red hair, which is another major theme of Charles Charles Schultz's, which may speak to why I love him as a cartoonist. So yes, <laughs> good good deal. If you're out uh, if you're out in the valley, go uh, go check those guys out, uh, John and, and Matt, and uh, and obviously Amy. Always keep it fun and, and, and do an awesome job. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks to Amy and uh, Aaron. We'll be back next week, folks. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 